Talking sports as they report Back and forth from their home court They talk the sports if you're not sure They talk of sports and then talk more About all sports East, West, South, North Ryan talks sports Andrew retorts And George will hear as they both sort Through all the sports they both support The Walk-Ons What's up guys? Welcome to the Walk-Ons Podcast It is Saturday, May 1st And yes, if you're listening to this This is Ryan Reeves I am still alive I did not drop dead The Niners did not draft Mac Jones Thank God God. Uh, Trey Lance, kind of an interesting pick, but hey, here we are on day three of the NFL draft. Who's sort of your biggest surprise up till now, Andrew? Well, my biggest surprise is that you're, you showed up in a Colorado shirt to record for those who can't see, which tells me you're now a diehard Colorado sports fan with me. So that was a nice surprise to know that now there's two of us hosting the show that are diehard Denver fans. But outside of that, the biggest surprise to me was Justin Fields going at 11 um and two for two reasons because he fell past two teams that I think everyone would have expected to take him the Panthers and the Broncos but that then of all the teams to go up and get him was Chicago which it just didn't seem like it was going to be possible for Chicago to get a quarterback that they'd really like this draft and they proved us all wrong and there might be a glimmer of hope for Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy there might be a glimmer of hope well back to the uh the shirt thing yeah I mean I'm pulling for you. You know, it's, it's, you didn't get Aaron Rodgers this week. As Mark Schlereth said, it was about as close to a done deal as, as humanly possible, which clearly was not true. Maybe he still ends up there. I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll have plenty of that from you later. Yeah, I have some <laughs> thoughts. I have some thoughts. Oh, great. Yeah. What a shock. But I, I think you're right. I think Justin Fields to Chicago, it makes a lot of sense. Um, certainly tweets that didn't age well was that, that picture that the, the Chicago Bears put up of Andy Dalton with QB1. Uh, that was certainly short-lived, but I do think he landed at a spot where, yeah, I mean, Ryan Pace needed to get something right after the Mahomes debacle a couple of years ago. Um, the fields definitely kind of sliding past the Panthers and, and the Broncos was interesting, but I do think the, the Bears finally nailed something in the draft. Uh, the one thing that I think, and, you know, this was kind of a done deal for months too, is Zach Wilson going from Provo to New York. Yeah, obviously he's the number two pick. I mean, I can't see a scenario where he really succeeds, at least not right away. I mean, what, what's your take on that? Well, I, I think the coaching staff he's going to be with is better than what Sam Darnold had to deal with, but that's not saying a whole lot. Um, and I think the other draft picks they've made this year were good. I mean, get, getting Vera Tucker to start, you know, get the guy who's going to protect your prize number two pick. They got a wide receiver in the top round too. So I think they're making strides, but they're starting from almost nothing. So the expectation that they would be good this year is probably out the window. Plus, it is the Jets. It's just inherent to their DNA to just destroy the careers of the potential quarterbacks that are there to lead their franchise. I mean, it's been Joe Namath, and that's it for the Jets. A little bit of Mark Sanchez, but then the butt fumble happened, and it was – we don't need to talk about it. You know what happened after that. Yeah, it's just a – it's a tough thing for that kid. I mean, I I hate to kind of – bang on him but I mean like those pictures of him getting ready for the draft I could not see anything other than like some 14 year old getting ready for his school dance I mean he just looks like the most out of place dude in the world and now he's going to go to the brightest lights possible in New York City he's he's in for a a rude awakening I think but let's talk about the, the real story here Trey Lance lands in probably the most ideal situation for for a guy like him Kyle Shanahan didn't tell anybody. I mean, what, one of the greatest kept secrets in the history of the NFL, John Lynch, Kyle Shanahan, didn't tell anybody, not their family, not their friends, not the owner, who they were trading up to get. All this Mac Jones noise, thank God, went out the window when they drafted Trey Lance. 
What do you think about the situation there? I mean, do we have an, a new Hall of Famer here? Well, I think it's a great situation for him, for sure. I mean, I think the talk about him is he's always going to have needed time to develop. He was a very raw product, but like the potential is there. So it makes sense, especially with Jimmy G still being very much in a position to be QB1 and the team to compete. I just, I think the whole situation from the start's been weird. I mean, like you said, there was a lot of secrecy involved and they're not even telling, you know, the general manager doesn't even know who he's picking after trading all that. It, that all stuff's just weird, especially because I'm like, what point did it serve? I mean, I, I don't get why the 49ers had to be so secret about it. The, the, what, there was never a chance they weren't going to get who they were going to get. And I just didn't really see like what the motive was to be so secretive. It's not like it was going to, you know, some other team was going to potentially swoop in and get them because the Jets and the, and the Jaguars were not going to give up their picks. That's that to me was just weird. Yeah, well, I guess you never know. I mean, it's certainly what what Kyle Shanahan described it as is there was there were all all this noise about the Mac Jones thing because he fits into the the Shanahan archetype, right? The the Kirk Cousins of the world, the Matt Ryan's, and he just decided not to correct anybody, which I think from that standpoint, right? If every, if everybody's going to talk. This is this is a 24/7 365 league. You, you got to fill content. You got to just talk over and over about who you think and what the news is in the draft. And he just decided not to correct everybody who was who was jumping on the Mac Jones train. So I can I can kind of see how that works out. But you know, one of the other cool things that I I kind of love about this draft, and it's it's something that makes a lot of sense to me, is that a lot of team, at least three teams in the first round drafted guys like wide receivers who their quarterbacks had played with in college, right? You've got Devontae Smith who played with Jalen Hurts. Uh, Cincinnati went up and they they picked uh, Jamar Chase to play with Joe Burrow. That's that kind of stuff is, is cool. Do you think there's something to sort of that continuity, right? You've got a, a, a young quarterback who you want to succeed. Uh, certainly Cincinnati also maybe have, they signed Joe Burrow's death warrant by not taking an offensive tackle, but they got his guy who he won a national title with. So, you know, I mean, do you think there's something to that, right? You know, getting a young quarterback and, and having him be comfortable with, you know, who, who that top weapon is on the outside. Yeah, I, I definitely think it, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, the chemistry is already there. And I think, like you said, the fact that they're young quarterbacks, they need to be in a situation where they're comfortable with the skill players on their team. And even look at Jacksonville, they, they drafted Travis Etienne. And I'm sure the only qualification was is they were like, well, we could get Javante Williams or whoever. Travis Etienne, they said, well, why not Etienne? He's already played with Trevor Lawrence. Let's get as much familiarity in that offense with him as we can. And the other thing, too, is, is it's in none of these cases that the teams reach. I mean, Cincinnati didn't reach for the sake of like they took a prospect who wasn't a top five prospect. I think they reached because they had other needs, with especially Panay Sewell being kind of a once in a generation prospect to some people. But, you know, Jamar Chase was very much a top five prospect. And so for like Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle and Jamar Chase, they were all there and it made the most sense. Like, why not? You know, make the best of both worlds. We're getting a top prospect. Plus, they've already played with our quarterback. So, yeah. I think it makes a lot of sense from both ends yeah and it's just kind of a cool you know, sort of flow I, I like seeing these guys who, who balled out in college together now they get to do it in, in the nfl in the next level uh so one of the interesting things also here i think is and we and i, I touched on this a little bit too like so teams who right you, you want to get weapons for your young players but i mean it, it's for for Cincinnati in particular, right? They didn't go with an offensive lineman. Hopefully they, they get maybe get one today. Otherwise, Joe Burrow is not going to be long for this world. But, you know, what do you think is the, the most important to to give a, a young quarterback, right? I mean, because you, you could also say, 
you got to have a good defense, right? You got to have a, a guy who's, he doesn't have to put up 30 points immediately, uh, you know, coming off the sidelines. Right. But what do you think is the most important position to help a young quarterback succeed in the NFL? Oh, I definitely think it's offensive line. I mean, you just look at Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow can't be good if he's hurt. Like if he's physically unable to play. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, his knee too. I mean, that's what everybody was talking about. The Bengals uniform reveal. I mean, nobody cared about the uniform. It was like, look at that scar on his knee. The kid's like yeah. two years old and he's already looking like he's hobbling around like a war vet. And, and look at the Super Bowl. I know Patrick Mahomes is not like fall yeah. under the like rookie quarterback that's looking to make his place, but he literally had his first game ever where you were like, wow, he's not killing the game this, this week because the offensive line was atrocious. And so like, yeah, there's a reason the left tackle is the second highest paid position on the offense. Like you need to have them able to throw the ball to then throw the ball to the, the skill makers or the, the skill position guys. And so, like I was saying, it's not a bad pick in the sense of like, they got an incredible wide receiver prospect, the Bengals. But yeah. If Joe Burrow is going to be on his back the whole time, then what's the point of having Jamar chase to have the ball to throw to him? It's just, yeah, I don't know. The Bengals are, are, are picking where they always pick for a reason. I'll just say that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's certainly not an accident, right? Uh, okay. Well, listen, we could, we could go on and on and on and on about the draft. Uh, there's still plenty left to, to play out here today with rounds four through seven. Um, for those of you at home, don't worry. We didn't forget about the Aaron Rodgers news. We've got a little bit more on that with our guest, Mike Lito a little bit later, but let's flip over to the NBA, right? Sort of the big news last night, Celtics came back from 32, 32 down to win. Um, Jason Tatum put up a 60 burger. LeBron James is finally back just in time to miss a last second field goal to beat the Kings. Um, what sort of, what's, what are the storylines that you're looking at now as we kind of wind down the regular season into the postseason? Well, I think the big storyline, and it, it's kind of a vague statement, but it's just the seeding in general for both, both sides of the, of the playoffs. I mean, it really is like, because I think you're in a position where there's like five teams, potentially six with the way Dallas has played the last couple of weeks, six teams in the Western Conference that you could make the argument will be a Western Conference finalist. And it's like, it's all going to come down to what the matchups are. I mean, even Denver, who everyone thought was dead in the water. I know I'm a homer, but I think it's a good example of like, if they just get the right matchup, could still go on a run, you know? So I think it really comes down to who's playing who. And the game last night with Utah and Phoenix flipped the seeding. Utah has been number one the entire year. And now it's Phoenix with two weeks left in the season. And I think playing Phoenix or Utah has two entirely different situations if you're playing them in the second round. So, and the Eastern Conference as well, not as much with the lower seeded teams, more like a top four, but it's just going to come down to what is the seeding going to be going into the playoffs yeah I, you know that, that's it's sort of a, a tried and true and maybe a bit of an old storyline right you know it's, it's all about the matchups it's the seedings but I do feel like this year almost more than any other year in recent memory like the the matchups are really going to dictate how far a certain team goes right you meant you mentioned the Suns last night I mean now that now they're the number one seed in the west that is a completely different matchup than Utah or Denver or the Clippers. I mean, it's it's a really really interesting sort of match matchup type nightmare for certain for certain teams, and maybe it's it's a dream matchup for others. Now, the, the Suns in general, I I got to mention this. I mean, we we talked about this maybe a month ago, but Chris Paul is not getting nearly enough love for what he's done with that team. I mean, it's basically the same team that yes went on a run in the bubble last year, but. They've been a bad franchise, a bad team for a really, really long time. Now you got Chris Paul, dude, who's a little bit old in the tooth, but he's still balling out. I mean, 
do you, am I crazy or does Chris Paul really deserve some MVP run this year? I mean, it's kind of hard to undermine a guy whose nickname is the point God, okay. but yeah, no, he def- definitely gets some MVP love this year. The only, the only issue is, is uh, just for this particular point is, is, you know, you would probably still make the argument that Devin Booker is like the best player on that team, or he's like the star of that team. But when you talk about the, the actual definition of MVP, most valuable player, I mean, I don't get a vote or anything, but I would put him in my top three. I mean, I, I, he just, I think he's shown last year and this year just exactly what his worth is, especially last year with the Thunder. The Thunder were supposed to be a tank job. You know, it was supposed to be, he gets traded there. You know, he plays maybe a year, maybe he gets dealt at the trade deadline and it's just kind of a placeholder. No, he took them to a game seven in the first round of the playoffs last year. And he really has shown, he brings something about him just can elevate a team. And going to the Suns was like the perfect situation for both the Suns and him this year, for sure. Yeah, I think I think that's true. I mean, I, I don't know what the Chris Paul effect is, but because it, it's it's interesting too, right? As soon as Chris Paul leaves a, a team, everybody talks about how much they hated him. You know, he's, he's a guy who certainly, if he's not on your team, if he's an opponent, that sort of the big story was when they played the Clippers the other night. You, Paul George, Chris Paul at the end of the game just kind of looked at each other and then walked by without without dapping up. You know, it certainly seems like people don't respect him around the league and kind of hate him. But then any team he goes to, he suddenly elevates them to another level. It's kind of an, an odd uh, sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think they respect him. I think they yeah. just hate him way more. I mean, there's, I don't like you, but I respect yeah. it. Like no, no NBA players. Like, no, I don't like you. Chris Paul's not good at basketball. I mean, it's just like, it's like a begrudging, like, Oh, I hate this guy. Cause he's so good. And he makes my life miserable. Even if we end up winning or, or whatnot. I mean, I don't know that he's ever going to win a championship just because he keeps going to these situations where it's like, he's the reason that they're so good. It'd be great if he could outside of lob city with, with Blake be great. If he could kind of a year or two kind of get matched up with another star to maybe get a ring in his pocket. But I think either way, he's going to go down as like a top 10 point guard for sure. If not even higher up on that list. Yeah, definitely. And actually on, on that topic of sort of transcendent point guards, I, this is not a, a, a typical pull for, for a show like this, but I want to talk about the Washington Wizards really quickly because that was a team that was dead in the water about a month ago. They looked awful. We were, we were clamoring to get Bradley Beal the hell out of there. He deserves to play for a winner. Next thing you know, you're looking at, at the standings, and they're going to be in, in that play, the play-in uh, tournament. They are the 10 seed all of a sudden. And I got to tell you, I mean, if I'm the Miami Heat, who's at seven, even the Charlotte Hornets, who are at eight, I do not want to see the Wizards come into town with Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal. And Westbrook had basically mentioned the other day that there is no player in the history of the NBA that is, that is like him. There's nobody like him. And I, I have to kind of agree. I mean, the dude's putting up triple-double numbers like, like nobody's business. What's, what's your take on Russell Westbrook? I mean, he's, that's another guy who's kind of a lightning rod, right? I mean, some people seem to kind of hate him, but a lot of guys say that's the best teammate they've ever played with. Now he's got the, the Washington Wizards who have no business even sniffing the, the play in tournament. Now here they are at 10. I mean, he's a great player. He's going to be in the hall of fame. And I mean, he's going to have a he's very be in the hall of fame. Yeah. I mean, he's an MVP and he's done what five years in a row of averaging a triple double. Also the, the threshold to make the hall of fame in basketball is a little bit different than the NFL. Um, I mean, but that, that's besides the point. I mean, he's going to be a hall of fame player, but I think he's always going to be known as the guy just by the style of which he plays. He's not a player that elevates your team to championship status. Yeah, and I know that he, they, they made the finals one year with, with the Thunder, but 
that was with Kevin Durant. And I know James Harden hadn't really become James Harden as we know him yet, but he was still like, you know, a big deal. He was the best six man in the NBA. And as soon as, you know, he's been paired with other superstars. I mean, Bradley Beal is, is an MVP caliber player too. And the Wizards are still like five games below 500. They're just in the play-in situation because the team is in the Eastern Conference. And I, I think he's a well, walking stat line, but does he really elevate your team? I don't know. I, I yeah I mean it, yes the Eastern Conference right being what it is there's there's no way they would they would be there in the West I just think I mean it, it was a couple months ago where they were like 20 games under 500 and now they're four or five games under five I mean it's it's kind of it's quite an impressive run right and I, I do think I just think they're a team that's it's the Wizards I understand that but they could make some noise they, they could they could definitely get into the playoffs the actual playoffs and you know maybe give give Brooklyn or or Philadelphia a little bit of a, a run there I think but oh definitely and think about this too if uh I think if, if the plan were today they would end up they would come out of it as the eight seed I bet you'd have Miami as the seven Washington as the eight that would make them a first round matchup with the Brooklyn Nets who have Kevin Durant a Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook playoff series would be a lot of fun, even though we think we all think we would know who'd win. On a little piece of KD, I think that would yeah. be, that would be sweet, man. That would That'd actually be a, some good entertainment. Oh, and James Harden too. I mean, like they, even though I don't think there's as much animosity there, but uh, well, I don't know. The Rocket situation didn't play out well. I just think that'd be a fun first round series. Oh yeah, well, yeah, that's that's saying a little bit about that. Look, a one eight game is usually never that compelling but i'll tell you what wizards nets would be something that i would definitely be watching all right let's stop down we've got our, our guest coming up a good friend of the show mike Lido, our southie boy you guys are gonna love it his accent is unbelievable so we're gonna go we're gonna go to mike Lido right now all right welcome back guys our guest today is a big friend of the show he's a huge nba nfl mma guy we love his takes can't wait to have him on and for all you guys to listen it's our friend mike Lido. don't forget to follow him on twitter at sb 24 like kobe mike what's up man how are you doing good gentlemen i'm doing good uh it was a good day to be a Celtics fan tatum dropped uh, the 60 piece for us the craziest comeback so it's uh i'm feeling good today how are you gentlemen the 60 burger. I'm not feeling nearly as good as you probably or Jason Tatum, but I will tell you what I am a, as a Niners fan, I feel about as good as I possibly could because I have been drawing on for the last month that I hope to God that we did not trade up basically mortgage the future trade up to three for fucking Mac Jones. Uh, and thank God we did not, that did not happen. You know, the, the top of the draft went pretty much as anybody expected, but we ended up with Trey Lance, which seemed to be a surprise. Kyle Shanahan didn't tell anybody outside of John Lynch, not his family, not his friends. What do you think about that pick at three? Do you like it? And, and what do you think about, you know, Trey Lance in that offense? Well, I personally, I think uh, like Trey Lance and a lot of the other quarterbacks, they all landed where they, they should have landed. Uh, like Trey Lance is going to be perfect for him because the 49ers have a guy that's like ready to win now in Jimmy Garoppolo. Like they just got – off a Super Bowl run like we can't forget that like and he's just going to be a perfect guy to develop under and especially with Kyle Shanahan's going to put him in the best position to like absolutely take over that offense when he's ready but for now I'm a Jimmy G I think he's going to stop the season yeah I, I think so too uh, just to piggyback off that right you know it seems like everybody is just you know, Shanahan had that infamous presser last week saying he didn't even know if Jimmy was going to be alive on Sunday uh, which certainly he had to walk back. But you mentioned sort of that fit, right? And so if we're looking at, at the five quarterbacks that went, who do you think is the best fit in the system where they ended up? Honestly, I think 
I think I got to go with the Patriots and Mac Jones because uh, I feel like he's in an offense where it's really pocket friendly and he's not really a big runner to begin with. Like he can move if he needs to and he can get out of the pocket and create, but he thrives more and like kind of like the Brady aspect where it's more like focused on the run and then you go play action and then he has a big arm to open up the field. So I think Mac Jones, just for like the offense fit, but the team fit, I would have to go with, uh, I think uh, Justin Fields with the Bears because like they have a strong defense and what they were really missing, not that Mitchell Trubisky was, was too bad. Like he just needed some improvements around there. But I feel like Justin Fields is that immediate impact guy that's going to bring some more life into Chicago. Definitely. Though, I want to interject who I thought had arguably like the best quarterback fit was uh, a second second round guy. And that was Kyle Trask to the Buccaneers. Mm -hmm. And speaking of Brady, talk about a situation that he's going to be allowed to thrive in. One of the things that Timmy talked about last week, Timmy Fogarty, who was our quarterback guru guy, was putting guys in the right situation. And that could be all the difference in like a short career or a 10 year career. And Kyle Trask getting two or three years behind Brady in a winning culture on a team where he's not going to be expected to do anything, but he's just going to be able to display what made him successful in college. I'm really intrigued by that pick. And, you know, it's, it's a low risk pick for the Buccaneers. Like he's not going to be expected to do anything anytime soon. So I'm really intrigued by that one. Yeah. hundred uh, percent. I think that's, it's a lot of what the younger guys, it's expectation they struggle with. So it's if you have a guy like Mitchell Trubisky, for another example, he came in the second pick. He was expected to win now, followed by Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson. So and even in his draft class, he had big shoes to fill. And I feel like sometimes that can really hinder a player's development because they're more focused on the exterior rather than the interior and focusing on like what you need to take care of to get better day to day. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Listen, the, the sort of big bombshell for the draft wasn't even really related to any of these guys ending up on new teams, right? It, it, the bombshell dropped the, the day uh, on Thursday with day one with Aaron Rodgers, basically the, the discontent there in Green Bay. There were talks that he could end up in San Francisco, talks that he would, uh, Mark Claire said it was basically a done deal that he was going to be in Denver, which is a, a load of crap. I don't know what, what your boy over there is doing, Andrew, but uh, what, do you, what do you make of the, Andrew, the, the Aaron Rodgers situation i mean it, it certainly sounds like he's done in green bay do you think that's true do you think he retires do you think they trade him somewhere i mean what's going on here for me with aaron Rodgers, i feel like he's given them everything he's can like at this point let me defend the green bay packers in a sense where it's they gave him a top three offensive line in the nfl they also gave him uh Devontae adams and Jordy Nelson, you know what I mean? He didn't get to keep him, of course, and that was a part of the conflict that was going on with a couple other players. He's seeing guys like Brady just stack up on basically whoever he wants, and he's like, I deserve that treatment. I deserve to have an opportunity to make another run at a Super Bowl. And so at one aspect, I feel like he's he was – absolutely disrespected when instead of getting a big name that's going to impact now they drafted for the future and got a another quarterback 
So I think they were going to try to do like a Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers situation where they thought he would be a mentor to him and give him the keys to the franchise at some point. But for Aaron Rodgers, I feel he wants to cement himself as one of these all-time great quarterbacks. And nowadays, people count the rings. Yeah. In your, in your opinion, do you think this is more on the Packers or more on Aaron kind of being difficult? Because I think you can portray it both ways, but what do you think? I think, I think Aaron Rodgers at this point to, to just go by those two answers would, it, it would be difficult now because I think it's a bad relationship. It's like a toxic relationship. Once, once you guys start going back and forth and you start nitpicking everything, like I feel like the, the relationship is, is kind of ruined, especially if he's going public with these things as soon as the draft is coming around. Definitely. I, 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 I think it's kind of one of those where the, the Packers made it bad and he didn't help. And then now it's just, you know, it's, it's everything's falling apart at the seams. And Ryan, you know what? It's not a load of crap. The whole Mark Slayer thing. There's been more details that have come out that said that they, the Packers basically pulled out at the last second. It wasn't like he was, you know, making up lies on the spot. When, where there's smoke, there's fire. Deal as it can be. That's the quote. Yeah, I mean, but the, the Packers, there were multiple insiders who said the same thing, and it was the timing of it all that if you if you kind of put two and two together, it's clear that the Packers kind of balked at the last second. And I'm telling you right now, I think Aaron Rodgers will be the starting quarterback of the Denver Broncos this year because it doesn't make sense for him to go anywhere else. Based off of the, the list of people or of teams he's considering, the Raiders don't have the cap space to handle him. And when you look at the way that his contract breaks down, there's no incentive to the Broncos to trade for him right now because then they have to eat almost $20 million and his contract situation is muddy. So it's not a surprise to me that he ultimately wasn't traded yesterday or on Thursday, but I'm just saying it wasn't there. It's not like he was pulling something out of his ass. There's some truth to what was going on on Thursday that what he tweeted about. I'm like a true Broncos fan, plant the flag, my man. That's yeah. I'm just, I'm just trying to convince man. myself. Let's be honest. All right, well, this is not your interview, so let's move on. Uh, Mike, actually, I, let's get your prediction, Mike. Where does where does Aaron Rodgers? If does Aaron Rodgers play next year, and if he does, where does he take his first snap of the season? So I'm gonna throw a curveball out here because I'm I'm not sure, but I think somewhere he would thrive, maybe Miami, because I can see that working be with the uh, Tua trade. Because some people I heard in Miami aren't really aren't really sure about Tua, if he's going to throw or not, if he's fully healthy or not. But I think the ideal situation would be like a fresh start. He has a strong defense. Like we, he has a good head coach, Brian Flores. The culture in Miami's completely switched around. I, I think it's really inevitable. And with, like uh, he said, the contract, I feel it's going to be hard to uh, – navigate and especially green bay is going to want at least two first round picks three first round picks that's that's that we got to take in a look which team has that and can even even afford the situation right now yeah that's interesting i mean uh, miami would be i think a good fit it's it's you mentioned it right it's it's kind of interesting how how it seems like there two has little not as much support as you would imagine for a guy who you know who they were high on right and yeah. No state income tax. I'm sure Shailene Woodley would love to to be in Miami, you know, in the bright lights with Aaron. So that that is that's a nice curveball. That would that would make a lot of sense. I mean, that would be well, it's also look what they did with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Fitzmagic, baby. 
You know, and I, it's magic coming through. Like, so I, I think if they've, they haven't really had a cemented quarterback that has respect throughout the league, like Tua, by all means, national champion, deserves all the respect in the world. But on the NFL level, Aaron Rodgers is just another le- is just another level. Yeah, he could certainly take a team to to another level. And I, I definitely see if he moves, there's no way the Packers trade him within the NFC. It's going to be an AFC team. So Dolphins, maybe the Broncos, like, I guess we'll see. Definitely not the Raiders because the Raiders have no idea. Yeah, I was thinking Seahawks because Russell Wilson. Also, but I don't <laughs> think that's ever going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I certainly hope not. Well, listen, man, let's, let's flip it to uh, – you mentioned, You already mentioned Jason Tatum. Let's flip it to the NBA. Um, what What's sort of your take as we kind of wind down here into into the postseason? We've got a couple of weeks left. Certainly seemed like your Celtics were kind of floundering pretty much all year, but they've, you know, they've won a couple. Uh, obviously, Jason Tatum put up a 60-burger last night. You know, what, what's your take on the Celtics? I mean, do you think they have enough to get over the top of, you know, the Sixers and, and – the best teams in the East right now. Do you, do you like their chances in the playoffs? Celtics I'm worried about. Celtics I'm worried about. The reason I'm worried about them is because you they're unpredictable. You Sometimes that's a good sense, but in this sense, it's inconsistency. You have those nights where you have a 30-point comeback and have a Cinderella story, and then you have nights where you're barely clinging on, and it seems like – we don't mesh and we don't flow together as an offense. I feel the Celtics are a big man away, a real big man away. Uh, like, obviously not, you're not going to get a trade with Jokic and uh, Embiid, but it's someone like them, someone that's going to take care of the paint, someone that's going to be a rim protector. We can't have Marcus Smart covering one through five going through. Uh, Tristan Thompson, I really like, but I was upset with the uh, Daniel Tice trade. I thought he uh, really earned his stripes on our team, and he was really an energetic presence, not only in the the defensive side, but also on the offensive side as well. Yeah, right. and you you raise a good point about like Jalen Brown and, and Jason Tatum are both incredible All Star talent players, but one of the things that's kind of become evident, especially with their lack of you know being in like the top three or four seeds this year, is are either of those guys really suited to be like the alpha on that team or are they in like your opinion, would they be better suited as kind of the, the complementary pieces around a different superstar? Cause I think if that's the case, then the Celtics would have a great big three. Don't you agree? I, I, I do agree. I do think they both could be alphas on different teams. I think they, I think they both could be dominant, but, uh, that, that is an aspect you have to look at, having two alphas in the room. Whose team is it? Who's getting the ball? Who's doing the last shot? That's not really Celtic basketball. Celtic basketball has always been go through the grind, do the dirty work, and you do it together as a team. I think they both – I understand Kemba is a veteran presence, but I think they need uh, – an I don't want to say accomplished, but an, an NBA championship accomplished player like somebody that's gonna sit there and show them how how it's done because we've been there before they they were young they've been in the eastern conference finals they've been in the playoffs like we've been spoiled but at the same time it it feels like we're always missing that one piece like that one that one veteran piece so that one person that's when Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum have a day off no shots are going in 
who's going to take the ball, who's going to step up. I just think we're missing that one piece. Yeah, and that's part of it too, right? I mean, the 32-point comeback last night is great, but there's also a reason why you're falling behind 32 in, in, a, in a game, right? That's, that's maybe something a little bit deeper. So, you know, we're praying for you Celtics over here, my man. <laughs> I, I, know, I know our producer Seamus is as well. He's a, he's a big Celtics fan, so he's, uh, he's sweating it out. But, hey, I know you're a big MMA guy. I want to talk about this too because basically you're a big MMA guy, and we're going to talk not MMA because the big story is Logan Paul, Floyd Mayweather, which, I mean, bring out any type of vernacular that you want to describe that, but – I want to get your take on it. I mean, what, what is this the real deal? Are you going to watch? I mean, what's the, what's going on for me as a business aspect, genius, yeah. genius <laughs> by the Paul family, both Logan and Jake, they're both taking, they're both taking the villain route. You know what I mean? They're, they're yeah. taking all, uh, all publicity is good publicity, whether it be good or bad. And to think about it, he went from, Disney Channel to fighting the best boxer to ever live, the most esteemed boxer to ever walk this planet. And he's going to make millions and millions of dollars. I think, I think they're genius. They're genius. Their marketing, their marketing is extremely well put together. As a sports fan, I think it's disrespectful. I think it's disrespectful. I understand Floyd's retired and he just wants to make quick money, but it's, it's, it's bringing light to boxing, which is good, but it's taking the respect out of it. It's making it seem like all these guys that have worked their whole lives, that have went to the Olympics for boxing and coming out and fighting 100 fights, 80 fights, like they're just, they're just not getting the respect anymore because some a couple of YouTube kids decide to bring their followers out and to basically captivate the sport. But in the aspect of business, I think, I think they're genius behind it. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought up the business aspect of it. Cause I think at the end of the day, we all see through it as purely a business transaction, but kind of speaking off that and also similar fights like Floyd versus Connor or, or like Floyd versus Manny, when they were both kind of at the tail end of their career in these fights, how much of it do you really think that they're, they're thinking of each other as like, I got to go beat the shit out of this guy, where it's like, I got to go beat the shit out of this guy to an extent. But at the end of the day, we're business partners. Like how much of that do you think really factors into how hard like what the, the focus of the fight is, is the fact that they're really both there to make money at the end of the day. Yeah. So, yes, I, I think if this was more of legitimate boxing or MMA situation, I think the mindset's a lot different. I think the mindset's you go in that cage and you turn on something else. You sw flip the switch, you, you go and you're out for blood. But in stuff like this, it's Logan Paul has nothing to lose. He's not a boxer. No, no, no one's looking at him as the guy that's gonna take down Floyd Mayweather. I, I think that, I think that at this point, what they're thinking about is their pockets, as they should. You know what I mean? But uh, I think th there's no real, there's no real hate behind it. Like when with the Floyd and McGregor, you could see that there was animosity between them. With this, it's just oh, who's who's like hot in the news right now, who's being talked about right now. And Floyd Mayweather sees that as a payday because he's the biggest pay ticket in sports history. So I think Floyd just saw it as an easy payday. He's been calling them exhibitions. So I don't even think it's going to affect his record. So it's really, they really got nothing to lose and a lot of money to gain. Yeah. From that standpoint, one last question for you, man. It, 
this is something that has always kind of fascinated me. I think, you know, over the last maybe five or six years, the reason why part of the reason why MMA and UFC has, has really taken off, right. Is they, they were kind of known for making the fights that people want to see. Right. And it's interesting as we kind of loop in this, this Logan Paul thing. I mean, Logan Paul certainly is kind of going at it with Dana White, telling him to pay his fighters, telling him to make the fights that people want to see, you know, outside of, this fight, which from a business standpoint, you know, the Mayweather, Logan Paul, great. It's a business decision. People are going to watch it. They're going to pay the pay-per-view. It's going to suck, but whatever. But from a UFC standpoint, do you think they've maybe fallen off a little bit? Do you think Logan Paul has a point where maybe Dana White's not making the fights that people want to see? And in that respect, is there a fight that you want to see that get, get done here in, in the UFC in the next year or so? What I want is uh... – one of my favorite fighters to come back and uh, John's Bones Jones. Uh, yeah, Bones. I, th- I think people forgot how how really of a martial artist he is and how technically sound and how well-conditioned he truly is. I-, I do think back to the point where it's all publicity is good publicity and if it makes dollars, it makes sense. What Jake Paul's doing, he's bringing attention to Dana White. He's talking about Dana White. He's bringing his followers, his millions of followers. He's throwing attention to the UFC. Yes, is it disrespectful? Yes, is he trying to paint himself as the enemy? Of course. Like, it's just only going to bring more money in his pocket with advertisement and everything like that. I think as much as Dana White doesn't like Jake Paul and doesn't like what he stands for right now, like, and how he views himself as a fighter. I think I think deep down Dana White's he likes it because he's sitting he's sitting here. Wow, I got this whole younger generation following my fighters, following uh, following these new pay per views coming up. You have Jake Paul showing up to the Usman Masvidal fights. Like it's, I think it's good for both sports. I, I think boxing was a bit of a dying sport, and this kind of brought a, a different light to it, a different light to it. But as the aspect of the MMA, I think the MMA is in a great position right now. They just went public, and now people can buy shares in there. So that's just another stream of revenue. Maybe maybe that leads to fighters getting paid more, which leads to more incentive to fight in the UFC because that's what a lot of people are looking at is, oh, why would I go into such a brutal sport where I get paid a fraction of what they're getting paid in boxing? It makes and, perfect sense. Yeah, and it's it's just looking at it in that uh in whatever lens you see fit, but I do think it is on uh it is on the rise and I I think there's a whole new wave of young fighters that are ready to prove something. There you go. It's a business, man, and if it makes dollars, it makes sense. I love that. Mm-hmm. Well, Mike, we really appreciate the time, man. Don't forget to check out Mike Lito on Twitter at sblito24 like Kobe Hey, man, this was fun. Thanks for coming on, Mike. Thank you guys so much. Hey, follow the walk-ons on everything. These guys are awesome. I appreciate you, John. You're the best, man. Thank you. Thank Thank you. All right, our thanks to our boy, Mike Lito. Don't forget to follow him on Twitter, at SBLito24. And I I don't think I'm I'm speaking in tongues here. Andrew, that was definitely the best uh, accent that we've ever had from a guest on the show. Do you agree? Oh, absolutely. I, I, I want to say like Martin Scorsese came in and directed that element for us, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, guys, you, you can't see, you can't see the, the podcast, but that was actually Matt Damon playing his character. And uh, 
we just said it was Michael, but no, thank you, Michael, so much. That was great. And uh, if, if we're doing the Boston stereotype too much, um, you can, you know where to find us and you can easily beat the shit out of us, I bet. So yeah, you don't want to mess with the guy from Southie. But yeah, look, I think what he was saying, you know, about Aaron Rodgers is, is interesting. I mean, you seem to still think that he's going to end up in Denver. I have no idea, but I mean, that certainly makes sense, right? Miami's interesting, but Denver probably makes more sense. Yeah, no, I think Miami's interesting, but the, the thing that I, I think is lost in people and what makes this so weird is the Packers don't need a quarterback in return. So they're, they're not, it's not like with the Deshaun Watson trade where Miami was potentially then going to send the Texans to a, they don't need a quarterback. So the Dolphins would still have Tua on their hands and maybe they could trade them off somewhere else. But I think there's a reason there was such a short list of teams that he's considering and the 49ers, I want to say, made the most sense. Like, that is a team two years removed from the Super Bowl. They were the team that kept beating him, you know, to go to the Super Bowl. But the Packers, if they do trade him, are not going to trade him to the Niners. I mean, it's just, especially with the, the third overall pick just being used, he's not going there. The other two teams, the Raiders, don't make as much sense because, one, they don't have a good enough defense to win, even with Aaron Rodgers. I know, like, Aaron Rodgers can elevate a team in a lot of ways, like Mahomes or Russell Wilson. But at the end of the day, that defense is really, really bad. And if you're in a division with Mahomes, you need a defense that can at least slow them down. Plus, they don't have the cap space. So that does actually make the Broncos the right choice in a lot of ways. And I know I'm biased, and I'd love to see it. But when you just look at it objectively, they have a great offense in terms of the skill making or the skill positions. Their problem's always been not having the quarterback. And especially with them drafting the top cornerback potentially in this draft, they have a loaded defense with Vic Fangio that Aaron Rodgers knows very well in Chicago. So I think it makes a lot of sense. Plus, Ryan, do you know where Shailene Woodley lives? Do I know where she? No. Why would I know that? Well, you are wearing a Colorado shirt, but uh, she lives in Boulder, Colorado. And Aaron Rodgers, well before these trade talks were a thing, has been seen in Denver and in Boulder a lot this offseason. So okay. I think it makes a lot of sense. The stars are lining up literally for him to be the Broncos quarterback this fall. And you know what? If that happens, we will be hoisting our fourth Lombardi this upcoming February. And I, I can't wait for it. Well, if, if I knew where Shailene Woodley lived, that we'd have a lot of bigger issues to talk about. You know, we can I'll tell, tell the therapist to forget about mom for a while. We got a whole new set of issues to go through. Uh, but yeah, I mean, look, it, it, really quickly. Certainly, I would love to see him on the Niners. As somebody who lives in Arizona, I watched the draft with a bunch of Cardinals fans. Those guys were sweating it when that news came out on day one that, you know, potentially the, the, the Niners make, 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 make the most sense, excuse me. But, yeah, I mean, that would be interesting to see him in Denver. And, and we'll, we'll move off that topic very quickly because we're starting to go down a Shailene Woodley hole that I don't need to go down into. Um, and that's not a sexual reference we use out there. That uh, was just it was getting dirty. Let's go into our dudes and does of the week. You got a dude for me? Oh, I got dudes for you. And I say this because they are big dudes, literally and metaphorically. Um, we have our guy, Spencer Brown, third round pick out of Northern Iowa on that corn fed football factory diet. He goes to the Buffalo Bills, another just pure cold weather situation he's going to thrive in. And he does a viral video last night of him jumping on a folded pong table in pure Bills Mafia fashion. I guarantee you he's already the second most liked player on that team outside of Josh Allen, Spencer Brown due to the week. And then the other guy, Quinn Miners out of Wisconsin Whitewater, who has gained some notoriety for dominating at the senior bowl, just having the physique of a mountain man. And then best of all, the viral video of him bulldozing trees and doing 
arm cooler, arm curls with water jugs in the Wisconsin wilderness to train for the, the draft. And he is just a man amongst men. He's a Paul Bunyan, and he's going to be so much fun to watch, even though he's going to be a, a depth tackle or a depth offensive lineman on the Broncos this year. Those are my dudes of the week. And if you haven't seen their videos, go check it out. It's pure yeah. entertainment. Miners is, Miners is an absolute beaut. I mean, not, not that I have any business being in the trenches in the NFL, but that's probably the last guy that I want to see, the one who's just taking, lining up with trees and knocking them down with his shoulder. That's, that's pretty terrifying, but it's also an awesome video. All right, my dude of the week, not a surprise. It's Kyle Shanahan. Really, the reason being is I think I can keep secrets. I'm a pretty, you know, I'm not nice tight box, but I can't keep a secret really for more than like an hour. This dude kept the biggest secret of the draft that basically the entire draft hinged on for two months. Everybody's talking about Mac Jones. This guy didn't tell his wife. He didn't tell his friends. He basically stopped re replying to his friends just to, to kind of put himself in that box. So I think, you know, you got the Shefties of the world. Everybody's looking for that story. Everybody wants to break the story. The dude, the fact that Kyle Shanahan could keep a secret like that nice and tight for, for two months. I mean, that's, that's easy due to the week. All right. Who's your dud? Dud of the week. And, uh, I'll just say this, outside of, of, of anything I just talked about with like Aaron Rodgers and going to the Broncos, just disregard where he goes. The dud of the week is the Green, Bay, the Green Bay Packers front office for just butchering this entire situation with a once-in-a-generation quarterback to an, on a level we've never seen before. If he does get traded, that'll be the first time ever an MVP has not started for the team that they won the MVP with um in like a long time i don't remember the exact number but in both the cases where that's happened in the past it's because guys retired an mvp's never gone to a different team the year after winning the mvp and it's it's mind-boggling they already went through this with brett Favre, where they they kind of burn bridges a little bit with a generational player brett Favre sucks but that's not on the football field he sucks on other aspects of life listen to last week's episode to hear that and just to have them repeat it again i mean did you know that the last the last time they they took a skill position um, so they, they drafted Aaron Rodgers in 2004. The next time they took a skill position in the first round was Jordan Love. Think about that. The Packers did have on every level, especially when Mike McCarthy was there, not done enough to support him. And there's always the joke of like Rodgers should have like five Super Bowls, but he's on the Packers who've just really kind of not thrown his career away because it's still going to be a Hall of Fame career, but not done enough that like Tom Brady got or some of these other quarterbacks have gotten that have really putting them in the best position to succeed. So Green Bay, just come on, do better. Yeah, I mean, they've certainly – you hear it all the time, right? Green Bay is that, – that's, that's the team that's owned by the community. They do everything the right way. They are – they're the pillar of, of success for an organization in the NFL. But meanwhile, they're just – they're shooting themselves in the foot at every turn, and now it's kind of finally coming to light and seems like people are starting to figure it out. But my dud of the week, and it's – I know you're going to hate this, Andrew, but – it's Tim Tebow, and really it's the broader scenario of Tim Tebow. This dude cannot stay out of the news cycle. I don't know what the hell he's doing. He's about 10 years too late coming back, but he wants to come back as a tight end. The Jaguars are kicking the tires on maybe signing him, but I think really outside of Tim Tebow, it's this, this run on like tight ends that aren't tight ends. Like the Washington football team signed that dude from Chile who, yeah, he's like 6'7", 240, looks like a specimen, but the dude doesn't play football. He's not a football player. The Raiders signed a tight end who was a basketball player at Western Kentucky and hasn't played football in a decade. Uh, like this whole idea that, oh yeah, he's, he's a great athlete. He looks good coming off the bus. He looks good with his shirt off. That doesn't mean you're a NFL player. So I don't know what people are doing. And it, I, I hope to, well, let's put it this way. I hope that 
Tim Tebow signs with the Jaguars so that we can all see how stupid it is thinking that he could play tight end in the NFL. I mean, the dude can't even hit a curveball. You think he's going to play tight end? No, no, thank you. You, you can there, miss me with are that. Are those related? Are those two things related? Oh, guy can't Literally. hit a curveball at the NFL Combine, so he can't play tight end. <laughs> Absolutely related. I mean, that's, that's been scientifically, scientifically proven. You can check it out. There's been all kinds of white papers on that. If you can't hit a curveball, you can't play tight end in the NFL. That's that studies from Harvard. You're right. I, I just did a Google search. Harvard's got an entire department devoted to this. Don't, don't come at me with that, dude. I, I do my research on this show. Here, okay, come on. All right. Well, that, that's going to do it for, uh, for the walk-ons today, boys. Saturday, May 1st. Our special thanks to Mike Lito, our guy who came on and just absolutely crushed it for 20 minutes. Andrew, you know, go to, I guess we'll see you at Shailene Woodley's house or something. Yeah, I, I just want to quote my, my guy from the State Farm commercials, Rogers. That's it. That's all I have to say this week. That's all we got. Thank you. The walk-ons.